0: Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacker. my name is Dr. Matt Hammett wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with me today. So let's get into the training. What is your worldview? You know, I introduced a new concept with what you may not have been familiar. The idea of genetics and epigenetics. The new paradigm shifts in medicine. The shift from the old world gene-based medicine into the new world ecological-based medicine. The shift from the sickness crisis disease management into the true wellness and prevention, the health promotion solution. You now understand that our genes do not change. You also know that our genome has not adapted to our new diet and lifestyle. That includes changing ecosystems designed by modern medicine and a few new food and soil technologies disrupting the natural microbiome. Indeed, our genome is maladapting, mutating, and is malnourished to the point we are becoming a sicker species. Genetic mutations are occurring, not adapting, not because of a natural phenomena. They occur due to the synthetic toxic and deficient environment we live in and that leads me to dynamism biohack what's your worldview Dynamism is the enthusiastic quality or charism that dynamic people possess That characterizes them by their vigorous action and progress They step outside that it's genetic cliche The blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach Into what I call true health This is the health class your doctor doesn't know The wellness prevention and health promotion solution How to get and stay well for a lifetime That's dynamism Although extinction is a natural phenomena, it occurs at a natural background rate of about 1 to 5 species per year. And scientists estimate, get this, that we are now losing species at 1,000 to 10,000 times the background rate with literal dozens going extinct not every year Dozens going extinct every day. And the Center for Biological Diversity reports, and I quote them, one of the most striking elements of the present extinction crisis is the fact that the majority of our closest relatives, the primates, are severely endangered. Roughly, 90% of primates, the report goes on to add, the group that contains monkeys, lemurs, and apes, as well as wild humans, all at which live, the report adds, in tropical forests which are fast disappearing. The International Union for Conservation of Nature estimates that almost 50% of the world's primate species are at risk of extinction. Humans, by the way, are primate animals. And we are not exempt to these natural laws. And with chronic illness pandemic in the civilized world, we may find ourselves on that list as well. You know, 30% of Europe were killed by the Black Plague and 80% of the civilized world has a chronic disease and our kids are born with a chronic disease today. Think this through. Overall, half the globe's 5,000 491 known mammals are declining in population, and one-fifth is clearly at risk of disappearing forever. No less than 1,131 mammals across the globe are now classified as endangered, threatened, or vulnerable. You know, at this point in the training, you should know by now that we need a new paradigm, a new perspective. Do you remember a few years ago when the fish got so sick in the Great Lakes due to all that pollution? Do you remember people finding thousands of dead fish all washed up on shore? Did the biologists rescue them in little ambulances? Did they study the genes of the sick fish? Did they start vaccinating the sick fish and set up little medical tents? Or did they immediately begin clearing up the pollution in the Great Lakes? Recall the parable of the marine biologist in our species-wide concept training, in a recent training we did. It is really that humankind, is it really that humankind needs more drugs and surgery? Is that really the answer? While like the fish in the Great Lakes, We have all the science to validate that our earth is damaged from toxicity and pollution by our own making. When we clean damaged and polluted ecosystems, our biology normally returns and naturally returns to homeostasis and balanced function. It heals itself. Like the fish, the solution does not lie with more drugs and surgery. It does not lie with the one ill, one pill, cover up, the blame it on genes, the name it with a diagnosis and tame it with a pill approach. Covering it up while we continue to commit suicide comfortably. You know, a frog will gladly sit in the lukewarm water. It will gladly sit and boil to death while you raise the heat. That same frog, if you threw it in boiling water, it jumps right out. I'm begging you to listen. Like the fish of the Great Lakes, it does not matter what your genes are. We don't care about the fish family history. Who doesn't have heart disease and cancer in their family history today? It's your toxic and deficient lifestyle choices and how you interact with your environment that is slowly poisoning you. It was never a debate for the fish in the Great Lakes. That's quackery. Pseudoscience. Just like there was never a true debate for humans. Genes or environment? Environment. No debate. It's how you manage your five pillars of a dynamic health every day. See, we need a changing perspective. And business leader and visionary Matthew Kelly asks us, what is your worldview? He teaches us about our unique perspective, illustrating this example in a unique way. I wanted to keep it in its original text. And Kelly states, and I quote, Today there are seven billion people on the planet. But imagine for a moment that the whole world is a village of 100 people. If we reduce the world's population to 100 people proportionately, this is how the world would look. Kelly goes on to add. 57 of those 100 people would come from Asia, 21 from Europe, 9 from Africa, 8 from North America, and 5 from South America. 51 would be women and 49 would be men. Six of those 100 people would own or control more than 50% of the world's wealth. And five of these six people would be U.S. citizens. One of those 100 people would have just been born. One would be just about to die, and only seven of those 100 people would have been to college. 33 would be Christian, and 67 would be non-Christian. 80 would be living in substandard housing. 31 would be unable to read and write. 24 would have no electricity. 71 would not have access to the internet. 39 of the 100 people in the village would live on less than $2 a day. One third of the world's population is dying from lack of bread. One third of the world's population is dying from overeating. How do you see the world? A simple sketch like this one challenges the way we see the world and draws us out of our own little world, Our worldview constantly needs testing. Your worldview is made up of a million thoughts, ideas, beliefs, and prejudices. Your worldview is unique to you and primarily formed by your past experiences and education. Billions of dollars of advertising distort our worldview. For these reasons, your worldview has many different blind spots and is imperfect. My worldview is flawed and distorted in the same way. These blind spots and distortions causes all sorts of problems in life, especially in relationships. Our worldview, illusion, is the reason we need the world full of dynamic people teaching and living the five pillars of a dynamic health. These are the reasons we need a simple strategic process to follow. A life plan which resembles that of our ancestors who lived well. Paul Hawkins tells us that there is a a rabbi teaching that says that the world is ending and the Messiah arrives, first plant a tree and then see if the story is true. The five pillars of a dynamic health is the fruit that is grown and earned from that tree. I intend on planting this tree in our communities to inspire humanity forward, away from the sickness crisis model, the old world, into the new health promotion solution model, the new world. Paul Hawkin also wrote that inspiration is not garnered from the litanies of what may befall us. It resides in humanity's willingness to restore Redress, reform, rebuild, recover, reimagine, and reconsider. We need a changing perspective of human life based on the natural order. We need healthcare leaders to engage dynamic people and restore, redress, reform, rebuild, recover, reimagine, and reconsider. We need to take this training from knowledge to action. And at this moment in our story, you should be able to realize that I am teaching timeless strategies. These strategies worked 12,000 years ago, and they will work 12,000 more years if humans survive that long. We within this training, we are shifting from an empirical rat science, sickness crisis model, to a more common-sense approach to the health promotion model with the help of human anthropology and some of the latest technologies in the field of epigenetics. I will also note here that I will include a simple uh, recipe list on the site at newlifefamilychiropractic.net slash tools. I know you've been asking for that and I've got it a simple little list you can take a look at. But the truth is, due to the enormous amounts of cookbooks available on the market, we don't need another cookbook. We need a simple book that challenges our current paradigm and opens our mind to a new set of guidelines, a way of life that has been proven to get results, and that's the big idea behind this training. So there are four tips to implement the eat driver of a dynamic health. At the end of each of these sessions, I want you to start creating habits. I want you to implement what you've learned. So start by creating one habit. And it took me a decade to learn this lesson. If you remember nothing else from from today's training, remember this, pick one habit to create at a time that you can do daily. Our culture pushes us to believe that we can get healthier and look better in just a few weeks. But that strategy is just not true. We forget about building better habits. One example of how you can implement the Eat Driver Habit is to shop twice a week the way the Europeans do, picking fresh whole foods along the perimeter of the grocery store. We all know we need to eat more raw, fresh vegetables. Anybody can start with that. You can do that. Number one, start small. This is worth repeating. Whatever habit you choose to implement, make it easy. It should be very small. So for example, if you only like raw grapes, and that is the only fruit you like, buy and eat fresh raw grapes. Whatever it is that you choose to implement, do not start too big in the long run if you start too big there's almost no way you will be able to keep up a significant commitment every single day in the early going remember it's better to suck at this than to skip this (laughs) number two replacing habits with better ones is it possible to change bad habits by replacing them with healthy habits well it sounds simple Replacing habits is significantly tougher than creating new habits. The first goal should include eating less processed junk. And to accomplish this, you need to start by creating habits of eating whole, clean food. In time, this new habit of eating will begin to crowd out most of the junk that you're eating. Dynamic people need not worry about replacing bad habits because they are focusing on creating new habits. You know the comedian Jerry Seinfeld had a unique system in creating habits by writing a joke every day and marking it off his calendar. He never missed more than two days. You can do that. Number three, starting places. Do not waste time and energy telling yourself you need to read more nutrition books or finish this book before you start. The starting place does not matter. It is not about what is right or wrong point of departure, just start. Let me give you an example. The next time you're at the stores, spend a dollar or two more on the organic or the grass-fed beef, because that is more genetically congruent than the package that does not mention organic or grass-fed on it. Choosing the most natural product is a simple process. Your body will not even know that you made a change and it will be a huge step in the right direction for your health. So number four, embrace the process. Research says that we can install a habit in as little as 20 days and as long as 250 days, depending on the challenge of the habit. And remember, this process goes, three, it goes through three phases. And the first phase is going to be unbearable. So here's a suggestion. If you choose to eat more fresh raw vegetables, you would find that there is less room for junk food like chips. The big food industry makes certain that you would become addicted to their foods. And so if you find you were eating less of them because you simply have no room, you'll probably suffer from a synthetic chemical withdrawal or a detox while you are implementing this new habit. Bear with it. The second phase will arrive soon, and you will start feeling the benefit. This is followed then by the third phase, where you have installed the habit and are ready to start a new habit along the five pillars of a dynamic health lifestyle strategy continuum. You know, adaptive evolution goes both ways. Dr. John Rady points out a myth in his book, Go Wild about evolution. Popular culture thinks that evolution is progressive and leads only one way, to better, bigger, and smarter, more complex solutions. The problem is that evolution is also adaptive toward the next best thing. She can only respond and adapt to a certain point. Complexity takes the time to assemble, but so does simplicity. What happens when the building blocks are weak? Koalas, you know koala bears, those cute creatures? They're a fascinating example of research because they eat only one thing, the eucalyptus leaf. They inhabit these trees, which are only found in Australia. And as a result, they never leave these trees. They can simply sit sedentarily and watch the world go by day in, and day out. Sound familiar? As Rady states, sedentary lifestyle was not always the life of the cute and cuddly koala. They once had a more diverse diet in their evolutionary history. The mark of this history is indicated inside their head, as their brain does not fill the entire space allotted for in their skull. This maladaptation was the result of a narrower diet and sedentary lifestyle. Their brains shrink. And evolution has not yet had time to make skull size compensate, so they have tiny brains. Most of these changes are due to one single source of food and the fact that they are sedentary animals. If the koalas wanted to retain the bigger brain that evolution gave them, they also needed to increase their movement patterns. Recent studies described in Discover Magazine of Human Fossils suggest that the human brain... Pay attention to this. Let me repeat that. It's too important. The Discover Magazine of Human Fossils suggested that the human brain shrank more quickly than the body in near modern times. More importantly, analysis of the genome cast, doubt on the notion that modern humans are simply daintier, but otherwise identical versions of our ancestors, <clears throat> right down to how we think and feel. Over the very period that the brain shrank, our DNA accumulated numerous adaptive mutations which related to brain development and neurotransmitter systems, an indication that even as the organ got smaller, its inner workings changed. The impact of these mutation remains uncertain, but many scientists say it is the plausible that our temperate or reasoning abilities shifted. Many paleontologists believe that the reduction in human brain size is proof that we have tamed ourselves just as we domesticated sheep, pigs, and cattle, all of which are smaller brain than their wild ancestors. The more I learn "...the more baffled I become that news of our shrinking ba- brain has been so underplayed, not just in the media, but among scientists." It, it, "...it is strange, I agree," says Christopher Stringer, a paleoanthropologist and expert on human origins at the Natural History Museum in London. He says, and I quote him, "...scientists have not given the matter the attention it deserves." Many ignore it or consider it an insignificant detail." End quote. You know, the routine dismissal, dismissal is not as weird as it seems at first blush. Stringer suggests due to the issue of scaling, he says this. As a general rule, he says, The more meat on your bones, the more brain you need to control massive muscle blocks. An elephant brain, for instance, can weigh four times as much as a human's. Scaling is also why nobody seems too surprised by the large brains of the Neanderthals, the the burly hominids that died out about 30,000 years ago. A study published in the spring of 2014 entitled Scientists Are Alarmed by the Shrinking of the Human Brain confirm what scientists have long believed to be the case, the human brain is shrinking. For more than what they say is 7 million years, the hominid brain has grown increasingly bigger, almost tripling in size. In the last 10,000 years after the agriculture revolution and sedentary lifestyle, the human brain has been shrinking at an alarming rate. Chinese researchers who looked at over 500 endocasts from the past 7,000 years, carried out the study and published it in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology. Endocasts are a mold that is shaped cavity used to, to give a definite form to fluid or plastic material of brains created from the imprints on the inside of the skull. They are invaluable resource when studying human evolution, allowing us to track how our brain has evolved over the past few million years. The results confirm what has long been suspected. Our brains are getting smaller. And this rapid decrease in size is not only attributed to our diet, it also includes our sedentary lifestyle, our immobile spinal joints, that spinal neural organ that generates the power generator to the brain. Remember that one? And our move driver of a dynamic health. So like the koala bear, humans need to increase their daily movement patterns if we are to fulfill the genetic nutrient requirement for movement. Understand our human genetic requirements for movement leads us to the second pillar of a dynamic health, the move driver. And if you hadn't listened to those, wow. I always recommend with this training, start with the move driver. So powerful. Until next time, lighten up, move better, and live fuller. If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net. And also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health the health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliché, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries, the solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance. Anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohack.